When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've done studies, and for people who have held uh, Bitcoin and rebalanced in the portfolio and held it for at least three years, in every three-year period in Bitcoin's history, it's helped your risk-adjusted returns, and often significantly. So I still think it plays that role. It's just being suppressed right now because all that matters in the market is the Fed. Why own Bitcoin and other crypto assets if they behave just like stocks? Crypto thought leader Matt Hogan answers that question and more on Consuelo Mack Track. Funding provided by ClearBridge Investments, Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. Remember when some fans of cryptocurrencies called them non-correlated assets? They were supposed to behave differently from the stock market, not affected by traditional economic, political, and fundamental forces. Cryptocurrencies were also dubbed digital gold in the expectation they would hold their value in inflationary times. Well, neither has turned out to be the case. Bitcoin, the dominant cryptocurrency, has fallen far more than the S&P 500 year-to-date. And in the face of higher inflation, Bitcoin plummeted while gold has held its own. Does that mean crypto should be dismissed as just another high-risk, overpriced asset with no inherent value, kind of like some of the dot-com busts? Not quite. Crypto advocates point out that Bitcoin has fallen by more than 50% eight times since its 2009 launch and three times since 2018, and it's recovered every time. And it's been a top-performing asset class with better than 35% annualized returns over the last three- and five-year periods and 80% annualized returns over 10 years. In addition, an entire crypto industry has developed, which is expanding rapidly and being widely accepted by Wall Street, business, and some governments. Well, this week's guest is a believer. He is Matt Hogan, Chief Investment Officer and former Global Head of Research at Bitwise Asset Management, a cryptocurrency asset manager founded in 2017. Bitwise has created several crypto indexes and launched the world's first and largest cryptocurrency index fund, the Bitwise 10 Crypto Index Fund, which holds the 10 largest crypto assets weighted by market capitalization. I began the interview by asking Hogan about the role crypto assets play in a portfolio, considering they act like stocks. That's an incredible question, Consuelo, and I think it's a question a lot of investors are asking right now. What I would say is that what we've learned, actually something we, we've seen before, but what we've learned is that during risk-off periods in the market, when people are rotating out of tech stocks, when they're rotating out of other highly volatile investments, they're also going to rotate out of crypto. And at one level, of course, that makes perfect sense, right? Crypto is a risky investment. So when investors go risk off, as they have over the beginning of this year, they're gonna rotate out of crypto. Now we have seen this before. During the COVID pandemic, we saw Bitcoin's price fall 
all the way to $3,000 when people rotated out of risk assets the start of the COVID pandemic. Once that market normalized, Bitcoin's price rose 20-fold. We actually saw it again in 2018. Crypto sold off during what was called the mini taper tantrum. So this is a story we've seen before. During short periods of risk-off behavior, crypto rotates out. What does that mean for investors? It means that crypto is really only appropriate for long-term investors. If you widen out, if you look not just at six months, but you look at a year or two years or three years, crypto is still lowly correlated to stocks. And the reason is that the fundamental drivers of crypto are different than the drivers of stocks. But for sure, during these risk-off markets, crypto is not the protection that bonds are, right? Investors should know that. They really have to be investing for the long haul if they want to benefit from that non-correlated exposure. So, so let me understand that. So yeah. over the long term, then, mm-hmm. that Bitcoin is still non-correlated to, it doesn't zig and zag along with stocks, it actually goes in a different direction over three years or five years, and then, then it's going to do what, what I think it, it, you know, people say it should do? Even one or two years. Here's, here's the way I think of it, Consuela. Crypto assets have two primary drivers of returns. One driver, it's what's going on in crypto, the fundamentals of crypto. How are we doing on venture capital investment, on regulatory development, on developer activity, on new use cases, on people accepting crypto as part of their lives? Those things are not correlated with the stock market. But there is another driver of crypto, which is this risk on, risk off sentiment. And when the market goes sharply risk off, that factor overwhelms those more fundamental factors of crypto. The reason that matters is over time, the macro factors even out, right? Over time, we're not going to be in a risk off market forever. And so once that levels out, you get the non-correlated returns that we've seen in the past. So again, if you hold over one year, two year, three years, I think you're going to see that non-correlated benefit. But as long as all that matters in the market is what Chairman Powell is doing, is what the Fed is doing, then crypto is going to be correlated to other risk assets. It's a matter of time frame. So what role does crypto have in your portfolio? I'm gonna go back to that original question. Why should we own crypto? There are two reasons to own crypto. One, crypto and blockchain is one of the most important technological breakthroughs that I've seen in the last 20 years. And I think it's going to transform how finance works, how parts of culture work, how parts of our everyday lives work over the next five to 10 years. And that's an exciting thing to make a, uh, what, what, what amounts to almost a venture capital style long-term investment in. That's one case for owning crypto. The other case, which I still think is true, even despite what we've seen over the last six months, is that over the long term, it works as a non-correlated alternative asset in your portfolio. We've done studies, and for people who have held uh, Bitcoin and rebalanced in the portfolio and held it for at least three years, in every three-year period in Bitcoin's history, it's helped your risk-adjusted returns, and often significantly. So I still think it plays that role. It's just being suppressed right now because all that matters in the market is the Fed. Over the long term, what's going to matter is whether crypto is as disruptive to the traditional financial industry as I think it will be. If it is, it's still going to be a great and non-correlated investment over time.
Let's go with the first reason, which is the, the fundamentals. And I know that, Matt, you know, you said this is a, a really big idea, that Bitcoin's yeah. a really big idea, crypto's a really big idea. And, and the kind of the way you, you described it to me is that you, you said, look at it as a technology that can take place on the Internet, mm-hmm. and it allows money to exist on the Internet. So talk to us about the, you know, the big idea, the foundation of this entire crypto industry. Yeah, here's one thing we don't talk about enough, which is that money is one of the last things to move onto the internet. Money is one of the slowest moving things in today's society. If I send you a check, Consuelo, and you deposit it at your bank, you can't get my money for five days. If I wanna wire money to London, it takes two business days. It's literally faster to jump on a plane with a suitcase full of cash and deliver it to someone in London than it is to send money. I'll tell you a funny story. One of the first bank wires in the U.S. in the 1800s sent $300 from Pittsburgh to San Francisco, and it took two business days, and the fee was $30. Today, that same bank wire would take one business day, and the fee would be $25. We've made no progress in 150 years. By comparison, on the Bitcoin blockchain, you can move a billion dollars to anyone in the world and have it settle in 10 minutes for a fee that's less than the cup of coffee right? Less than the cost of a cup of coffee. It's a revolutionary technology. And not just being able to move money, you can program money like you can program software. You can program money to go to somebody only if certain conditions are met. You can rewrite a lot of the sort of sclerotic underpinnings of the financial services industry and disrupt it in the same way that Amazon disrupted Sears. I really think it's one of the more important breakthroughs People have it framed in their mind incorrectly. They have it framed in their mind as an alternative to the dollar. It's not about that. It's about money moving into the internet era and how we can reshape the financial services space, reshape how money works so that it's cheaper, faster, more efficient, and more creative. But again, it's digital currency. It's not the dollar. So we really should think about it as a separate store of value, right? I actually just talked to a very well-known financial planner and he said, I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is. I, yeah. I, don't, know how, I don't know how to define it. The, the challenging thing about this is there, of course, 18,000 cryptocurrencies. Every cryptocurrency is built on its own blockchain. And those blockchains and cryptocurrencies do different things. So Bitcoin really is just a digital store of value. That's what it's good at. It's like a digital version of gold or a digital version of a currency that you can move around the world on the internet. Other crypto assets allow you to do other things with money on the internet. So the second largest crypto asset, Ethereum, is kind of like an internet for finance. You can build new stock exchanges on Ethereum. You can build new loan processing units on Ethereum. You can build insurance companies on Ethereum, except unlike getting a traditional loan, you can get a loan through one of these uh, decentralized finance applications on Ethereum in a matter of seconds instead of a matter of days. So different crypto assets are good at different things. The right way to think of it again is what can you do if you allow money and property to exist on the internet? Any idea where your mind goes, there's a, there's a crypto asset and a blockchain that allows you to do it. You can't put it in a single box and say it's like a digital currency uh, because it has so many different applications. Now, Bitcoin's the big Magilla, right? I mean, yeah. Bitcoin is what, 40% of the market? More, more, 60, 50, 60%, yeah. Another issue that comes up that people are very concerned that 
about the lack of regulation. Mm -hmm. They don't know what the security is. They're terribly afraid that it's going to be hacked, this universe. Yeah. You are less concerned about that. Why? Why shouldn't we be very concerned that there are some, you know, Russian or Bulgarian hackers that are spending every waking hour trying to break into the blockchain? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would argue that the Bitcoin blockchain is the single most secure database on Earth. The underlying cryptography that underpins how the Bitcoin blockchain work is the same cryptography that underpins all of U.S. military communications, all point of sale transactions, the Internet domain name registry. It's a very robust, well-established cryptographic primitive. And then the quality of security depends on the size of the network that's operating on this. And the Bitcoin blockchain is the largest supercomputing network in the world. It's existed for 13 years. It's never been hacked. Smaller blockchains probably have more security risk. That's one of the reasons they're less valuable than Bitcoin. They aren't as well established. They aren't as secure. But I feel very confident uh, that the Bitcoin blockchain itself is safe and secure. Now, your individual crypto assets, that's a different matter. We should talk about that. There are ways to hold those in a secure fashion. There are ways to hold those in an insecure fashion. But the central database has been around for 13 years. It's built on very well-established technology. And I think we should accept generally that it is safe and secure. And, and why don't we go there as far yeah. as talking about the, the threat to the individual Bitcoin holdings? Uh, what is the threat, number one, and how do we protect ourselves against it? One of the beauties of Bitcoin is you can send it somewhere and it gets there instantaneously, right? It settles in 10 minutes instead of your check, which settles in five days. The risk is Bitcoin in that world operates like cash, right? If you have $20 in your wallet and someone steals your wallet, they take your $20. Uh, there's a reason we keep most of our money in the bank and only carry around a little bit of cash. The same thing is true in crypto. If you're holding crypto, as many people do, in an app on your phone and somebody hacks into your phone and drains your account, you've lost your crypto just as surely as you've lost the cash in your wallet if someone steals your wallet. The more appropriate thing to do is to hold a reasonable amount of crypto on your phone if you want to have easy access to it and then hold the rest of your crypto investments in a more secure facility. In the crypto world, the equivalent of a bank account is to hold it with a qualified, regulated custodian, right? But it's a very similar architecture. Friends don't let friends carry around $100,000 in Bitcoin on their phone. It's just not a good idea. It's not a good idea to carry around $1,000 of cash in your wallet. So it's the same general idea. Uh, and there are secure ways to hold it. You just have to take the time to find those custodians if you're going to own crypto as an investment as opposed to own a little bit of it for, for particular uses. That's you know really good advice. L let's go back to, in our prior conversations, Matt, we had talked about um, the cryptocurrency industry being in its infancy. Mm -hmm. uh, that was just a few years ago. Are we in the toddler stage? Are we in the you know kindergarten stage? What stage of development is the industry in now? Yeah, we've made a lot of progress. We're maybe somewhere in elementary school. Here are examples of ways that we've made progress. Uh, I think when we first talked, there weren't many qualified regulated custodians. The regulatory architecture around crypto was very new. There were very few institutional investors in it uh, at that time. You fast forward to today, and there are firms like Fidelity that are custodying crypto assets, right? Everyday regular names. Fidelity recently announced that they were going to enable 
uh, 401k investors to invest uh, into Bitcoin. You have large institutions that are building up Bitcoin and blockchain teams. You have JP Morgan writing research reports about crypto as an alternative asset and aligning it next to things like real estate and private equity. So we've come a long way. The reason I said we're still in elementary school is that we still have a long way to go. This is very early. I think there's a good analogy to the internet, right? The internet was created in the 1970s and it didn't go mainstream for maybe 20 plus years, right? Into the 2000s. Uh, so these technologies take a, a reasonable amount of time. Crypto is still in the early adopter phase generally. It still needs more regulatory safeguards. It still needs more regulatory clarity. It still needs large institutions to come in in full but they're now starting to come in. Every major bank on Wall Street has a crypto and blockchain and digital assets effort underway. Uh, they're building product, they're investing in engineers, they're investing in research, and that wasn't the case the last time we talked. It's been a real change. That doesn't necessarily mean it's still a, <laughs> you know, a good investment. I mean, you know, we saw that uh, you know, during the global financial crisis and all of the different securities that were built around home mortgages. We've been in what some are, are calling until now kind of the largest speculative bubble ever. That's what mm -hmm. Jeremy Grantham has called it. And he cited the cryptocurrency market as being an example of something that was kind of really out there. And so you know, what gives it legitimacy? I, I mean, it, it's not just that Wall Street's investing in it, because basically Wall Street will invest in anything that makes them money and that people <laughs> want to be involved in. Honestly, in, in yeah. speculative bubbles, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. um, so, But what gives it the legitimacy that you think that it deserves? And, and what would you compare it to? Again, I think it's going to change um, you know, half of the way the traditional finance works. The reason I have comfort in saying that is often when you're looking at an early stage technology, what you're looking for is proof points of things it can do that the traditional system can't do. And when you look at crypto through that lens, it can do a lot of things that the traditional system can't do. You have the largest banks in the world. The fastest they can move money to London is in two business days. If you send it on Thursday, you're talking about Monday. You have an unmanaged software network with no employees and it can move a billion dollars almost instantly. That's very interesting. Another thing crypto can do, it creates digital property rights for the first time ever. We've seen NFT auctions of digital art. The reason we're seeing auctions of digital art and we haven't seen them in the past is until crypto, you couldn't have digital property rights in a native setting. Digital property rights is a very big idea. And you're seeing this, uh, this idea of using crypto to program money really disrupt big chunks of the capital markets, at least in the crypto space. Again, it's early stage, but I mentioned, you know, there's the effective equivalent of crypto crime brokerages where you can get $100 million collateralized loans in a matter of minutes. And the reason you can get it is because the software is able to claim the collateral automatically if it needs to, which is not something the traditional system can do. These are big ideas, moving money at the speed of the internet, programming money like software, uh, having digital property rights. That's the reason crypto has attracted $33 billion in venture capital activity over the last year. That's the reason so many smart people are moving out of finance into crypto. That's the reason it's one, number one on the regulatory agenda in Washington. It's a relatively small market, right? Crypto as a whole is $1.5 trillion. It's the size of Apple computer. Why are regulators paying so much attention to it? 
because it fundamentally challenges and could transform huge parts of how finance works. Now, as an investor, you have to realize it may not. The reason it's risky is it hasn't done that yet. This is still very early stage. But you do have these proof points of things it can do that the traditional financial system can't do. And for a, uh, a, a risk-tolerant, long-term oriented investor, those are interesting things to anchor on. You know, in most industries, if Washington was reaching out to you and thinking about regulating it, you would want to run the other way or put up the barricades. <laughs> in this case, uh, that is a very interesting development, right? I mean, I think you told me that you're fielding maybe one phone call a week from some congressional aide or something that yep. Washington is really interested. They're really engaged. Is there actually legislation being considered? And if so, what kind of legislation and why is it a positive? Oh, it's a huge positive. I yeah. think I think crypto regulation will unleash the next big bull market in crypto. The reason it's important is you have these amazing technologies with amazing new applications and you have proof points that they can work. But the largest financial institutions and the largest investors are afraid to embrace them because they they don't have the regulatory clarity of what's allowed and what's in that what's not allowed. It's still murky. We have some signal, we're in a better place than we were a few years ago, but they don't know what they can do and what they can't do. Once we get regulation that provides investor protection and clarifies how institutions can interact with crypto, there's gonna be a huge embrace of these technologies and how they can rewrite the sort of sclerotic underpinnings of the financial services industry. I, I know one of the questions that a, a lot of uh, the people that you talk to ask you is how low can Bitcoin go? <laughs> Yeah. You want to answer that, Matt? It can, it can absolutely go lower. You asked me earlier, how does it compare to like private equity or real estate? How should people think about it? I really think the way to think about it is like venture capital, right? It is a long stage bet. Some of the assets will work out. Some of the assets won't go to zero. But you're making the bet that if you take a diversified approach to crypto, you're going to benefit over the long term because it's a major disruptive technology. You shouldn't own too much because it's very risky, but for, a, for the right investor, a small allocation can make sense. That's right. why we tell investors, right size your investment, it should be a small portion of your portfolio, and think about it over a three, five, 10 year time horizon. And one big change that, that you told me about in an earlier conversation was when you and I first talked about Bitcoin, uh, and other crypto investments, the big question was every time there was a, a big sell-off, yeah. is is the industry or is crypto going to survive? And you said now the, that is no longer the question, that it's the survivability of Bitcoin, for instance, and some of the other, other larger players is pretty much accepted. Yeah, it's really been a sea change. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I go out and speak to investors and financial advisors all the time. I remember traveling around after 2018 when Bitcoin went into an 80% bear market and all of the questions were about is this going away? Will the government regulate it out of existence? Will crypto even exist? Does it have a role in the world? That's not the questions that I'm getting today. The questions I'm getting today are, is the bear market over is now a good time to buy? What's your answer to them? <laughs> I think Bitcoin could continue to be volatile for the next six to nine months as we work through this challenging macro environment. The Federal Reserve seems intent on continuing to raise interest rates. Historically, Bitcoin has performed poorly during period of rising rates. I do think once the macro environment normalizes, 
we're going to see a strong rebound in crypto because the fundamental developments are so aggressively positive, persistently positive, new venture capital activity, record developer activity, record app downloads, record wallet usage, new applications emerging every day. Once the sort of macro suppression stops, I think you're going to see a sharp rebound. But if you ask me, is Bitcoin done going down? I don't know the answer to that. We could certainly have another leg down. It's going to be volatile. But again, if I look out three, five, 10 years, I'm exceptionally optimistic. One investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what would you have all of us own some of? Yeah, I love to talk about Ethereum. A lot of people have heard about Bitcoin positioned as digital gold. Ethereum is really this new internet where finance can be built. People are building applications on Ethereum the same way people built applications on the Apple App Store. Some of the most innovative work being done in decentralized finance is being done in Ethereum. And if I had to make one investment today for the next few years, I would make sure I would have a small allocation to Ethereum as a way of playing this sort of crypto revolution. Right. Again, the appropriate size for each individual. (laughs) Right. Critical. It's like cayenne pepper, you know, a little goes a long way. <laughs> Matt Hogan, thanks so much for joining us on WealthTrack. It is a, always a delight to talk to you. And we will be talking to you again about NFTs uh, online in our, in our extra feature. So thank you very much, Matt Hogan, for joining us. Thank you for having me. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point concerns the vulnerability of individual crypto accounts to hacking. They can be hacked. But as we just discussed, there is a way to protect them. This week's action point, use a custodian bank for sizable crypto holdings. Custodian banks are huge, reputable financial institutions such as Bank of New York Mellon, J.P. Morgan Chase, State Street, and Citigroup. They store securities in electronic and physical form for financial firms, wealth management clients, institutional accounts, and individuals. They have the financial heft and experience to keep your holdings secure from even the most sophisticated hackers. Next week, influential and always thought-provoking economist Dave Rosenberg joins us as we launch a new season. I can't wait to hear his take on the economy and markets. In this week's extra feature, Matt Hogan explains why NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are a big idea with a big future. I am intrigued. Well, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for spending your time with us. Have a super weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable and productive one.